Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast, where the church's status quo and sacred cows get rounded up, simmered down, and dished out. And now, here's your chief cook, author, innovator, filmmaker, and founder of Group Publishing, Tom Schultz. Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast. Around here, we like to keep an eye on emerging trends in the church, and these days, there's a lot to keep an eye on, for sure. One of the trends over the past 10 or 20 years has been around the church multi-site phenomenon, where a larger church replicates itself in other locations. One of the well-known multi-site ministries is National Community Church in the Washington, D.C. area. That church, whose lead pastor is Mark Batterson, is a multi-site network that also gained attention by meeting in movie theaters. And our guest today is one of National Community Church's multi-site campus pastors, Joshua Simonette. He is also a leadership development specialist for the church. Welcome to the podcast, Joshua. Hey, so good to be here, Tom, and uh, sharing this opportunity with you. Oh, great. Great to have you. Well, first of all, let's just have you describe National Community Church's approach to the D.C. metro area and, and how that's expanded over the years. Well, you know, we like to tell people all the time who reach out to us about multi-site that uh, we're not sure we know exactly what we're doing, uh, <laughs> but uh, we can tell you what not to do. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, but as far as our as far as our approach and, and kind of how how things work, uh, we have seven campuses right now. I would say we were primarily meeting in movie theaters and uh, performance spaces. Uh, we started out uh, meeting in a school. Uh, the the doors closed on that school due to fire code, and so we really just kind of stumbled into a uh, movie theater at Union Station. And uh, once we got there, uh, the thought process was, man, what if we were able to replicate this around the D.C. area uh, near Metro Stops was the original vision that Pastor Mark had. And uh, at the time, I believe it was AMC had just started this new aspect of their business where they were trying to rent out the theater at off-peak times and they were targeting churches. And so we were able to kind of you know, jump on that bandwagon and uh, kind of get this thing rolling. And, and so that's, that's, that's uh, what we've been doing now. We have since moved into a couple of other types of venues that are still theaters or performance spaces. But um, that, that's a little bit of the lay of the land in terms of how we got into it and, and um, you know, our thought process uh, started out. Great. Well, also, describe your own multi-site uh, location at Kingstown. What is the place there, and how is the worship experience connected uh, to the mothership? Yeah, great question, Tom. Uh, Kingstown was probably our first true suburban uh, location. We, we would have maybe a couple of locations that would be kind of in between urban and suburban uh, at our Boston and our Potomac Yard campus. Um, but uh, Kingstown was was really the first true suburban campus, and it was a little bit of a different approach. You know, I think you know when, when you have a situation where you're an urban church and you know how to do urban ministry, uh, it's a little bit different mindset when you get into the suburbs. Uh, people have different expectations and and different things that they're used to. So we've had to make some adjustments over the years, um, but it's still pretty similar to um, all of our campuses. Uh, we are very uh, family oriented. We've got a lot of young families, um, elementary age to middle school age kids. Uh, and then, you know, we have some people who've been at NCC for 
quite a while and, and moved out of the city or more urban context because they settled down and had families. And also due to the high transient uh, nature that we have in the DC area due to government and due to um, military, uh, we have a lot of military families as well, people who are high ranking military, people who work at the Pentagon and so forth. And so they've, they've been in the military, you know, 15, 20 years or so, and, and they've got, you know, families and kids. And so that demographic fits very well with our location. And how would you describe the physical space that you're in? Yeah, it's a movie theater. Um, it's uh, run by Regal and we've got a great working relationship with Regal, great working relationship with the general manager and the worship experience, uh, which is what you were just asking. And I didn't um, touch on that, but the worship experience is like you would get at any normal church. We have a live worship band. Uh, we have our teams that, you know, set up, uh, coffee and donuts and, uh, create the the ambiance and and a good environment for people to uh, engage in, and I think you know people's mindset coming into a movie theater is already uh, kind of tuned to watching something on the screen. So it's it's not kind of outside of the norm that uh, they will be watching a video message, which is uh, the primary mode of transmitting the message. That's the situation that they're used to. And I also think uh, as also being one who's on the teaching team, we understand that we are, we're able to, uh, uh, you know, kind of have a, a sense that there's an audience outside of, 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 of the people in front of us and we can connect with those uh, beyond uh, where we are. So I gather from what you're saying that uh, the same message, the same sermon is shown on the big screen at all the locations each week. Um, yes. Uh, well, so let me back up just a second. Uh, yes and no. We, we have the same message, but we have uh, what we call a weekend matrix. And because uh, and there's there's plenty of ways to do multi-site and anyone listening to this podcast um, and that's familiar with multi-site knows that. I mean, there's there's, you know, people who do live stream. Uh, there's people who have uh, really independent campuses where the campus pastors are speaking each week. Um, and then there's a uh, kind of hybrid of that uh, where we have three campuses each weekend will be live. So whoever's on the teaching team uh, rotation, which would include Pastor Mark, myself, two other, uh, three other people as well. Uh, we will have three locations that we will go to preach live. The weekend starts Saturday night. That message is recorded on Saturday night. And so anyone watching a video message at a video venue for that weekend is watching the message from Saturday night. That takes a lot of pressure off of us from an editing standpoint, from a timing standpoint. And I know churches uh, that do live stream, uh, it, it, you definitely have to have uh, things lined up and synced up in order for that to flow well. Hmm. Well, that uh, leads me to the next question. Are people today engaging with uh, a video image of a speaker on a screen like they used to or like you might have hoped? Is it, do you see any change there in terms of how people are receiving that kind of message? Yeah, that's a good question, Tom. I, I mean, I think that, you know, we have found that it's still working for us. Um, I think it um, may depend on the, uh, the demographic, you know, it may depend on uh, the area that you're in. I think it also may depend uh, culturally. You know, as an African-American with a, you know, African-American church background, that's how I grew up and how I was raised. Uh, I've talked to many 
pastors uh, in the context that I grew up in who say, hey, you know, we don't, we don't think that video translates as well. Uh, it connects with our audience as well. And, and there have been some who have tried that and it, and it hasn't. So I think there are just a lot of factors there and it, it just depends. But I do think though, and this is what we found at, at, our, at our location, which is um, a growing multi-ethnic community, uh, still, still about 55% uh, of white, I would say 45% um, other that would, be, that would include African-American, Asian, Hispanic, uh, and so forth. Um, you know, we, we have found that worship music I mean, if the worship music is is engaging, uh, the environment is one where people feel like they can uh, they can connect and um, it, it it works, you know. Um, and so you do have the person that comes in and says, ah, you know, I'm not sure about the video. Um, you know, I, I much rather connect with a with a live person. We also have had people come in and said, hey, you know, I wasn't sure how this was going to work, but hey, love the way that you guys do it in the environment that you. Uh, that you have set up. And so it just, it just depends. I think it does still work. Um, but I do think one of the big keys is, um, you know, just the worship environment that you're creating. Where do you see it going uh, in terms of, uh, especially the video element versus live element? Where, where do you see that in five or 10 years? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you bring this up because I think uh, uh, churches like North Point that, uh, you know, a lot of people look towards, in terms of taking strategy and uh, even looking towards trends, um, you know, churches like North Point and others are, are really talking a lot now about um, people having more online experiences. And so I don't think that the video piece is going away. I think uh, it, it's actually creating a situation where people maybe feel more comfortable uh, connecting uh, outside of a gathering or they are traveling or, you know, uh, doing something that doesn't allow them to be physically present on the weekend. So they're connecting uh, via technology online. And so you're, you're seeing a growing trend in online campuses. I believe Kerry Newhoff um, was just talking about this recently in one of his blogs and podcasts. Um, about how to strategically do that. And we at NCC have found that we, we have a growing online audience, but we haven't done much to really strategically tap into that. So I think um, that is one of the biggest trends right now. Um, but I also see another trend, not necessarily related to um, multi-site per se, but I see a trend of smaller where people are looking for smaller venues, smaller gatherings of sort. And you're starting to see, you know, some of those uh, gatherings or, or people say, hey, you know, I, I would love to be a part of something that's vibrant. Uh, I just I just wanted to be small and intimate, which was part of the multi-site strategy was to like, hey, how can we grow bigger and smaller at the same time? Um, but some of the multi-site, you know, venues now or, or gatherings are, I mean, they're mega church size. So, yeah. um, you know, you have that dynamic as well. Mm. Well, speaking of the venue, uh, how is the, the theater setting for you? The big dark room, the, the rows of fixed seating, the big screen up front. How, how, has that helped or hindered the ministry and the community aspect at National Community? Yeah, good, good, um, good question. I, I think, again, that, that's a preference that I think some people would love, some people won't. Um, I have some friends and people that I'm connected with who say, man, it's just too dark in there. I can't see you know, it. Like, why don't you turn the lights up? And, and so I know actually it was different for me as well because that just wasn't the environment that I was used to. But I think it works in a context like 
um, the DC area and it works for a church like National Community Church because we want to create a safe environment. We want to create a place where people feel like that they can come and, and engage and, and there isn't necessarily a spotlight on them. And, uh, you know, they can, they can even explore and check it out, you know, without it, um, uh, being, you know, a, 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 a big deal. Uh, I know on the other end, some people say, man, it just, it makes it easier for people to hide. And yeah, that that's, that's the case for sure. But there are other ways that people can hide as well, you know, but I think it served us well because we are, we have intentionally gone after people who are, um, you know, not engaged in the church or de church or just haven't established a relationship with Jesus at all, you know? And so, you know, those people who are, are trying to, to, to search out where they are in their faith. Uh, I think it, it serves us well. We have found that we just need to do a, a better job of making sure that we're uh, connecting with people who are checking us out. And, you know, I think that's every church's uh, kind of uh, big thing is, hey, how can we close the back door and make sure that we're we're connecting with people that are getting engaged? And I tell new people who come to our church, like, hey, listen, we just want you to get connected. You know, that might mean that you go and get connected somewhere else. And we are, I'm, I don't mind helping you do that. Um, but hey, we at least want to create a space where you feel like you can, you can belong. Yeah. But you said earlier that uh, you're sensing more people looking for something smaller. Well, what does that mean for you, uh, for the way your church is configured? What does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think one of the ways that we try to approach that is, by doing small groups well. You know, I think I think really what people are saying when they're saying, hey, I want to look for something um, a smaller or, or a more intimate gathering, it's the word intimate. Like they're looking for intimacy. And, you know, obviously that's what you start to lose when you um, grow bigger. That's with a church, that's with an organization, uh, you know, any group, like once you, the more people you add, you know, the less intimacy there is. And so, Again, we we're, we are trying to make sure that our small group strategy is a robust enough to be able to not only uh, create uh, different kinds of spaces who, for people who want to connect in different kinds of ways, whether it's a running group or it's a prayer group, or we even have a group uh, at NCC, a few groups who the premise of the group is uh, we want to connect with people who have top secret clearance, you know? And so, and that, that's a real group for us. And so we want to create diversity in that, in that way, but we also want to create intimacy uh, as best we can. And so that's where we try to help people understand this is how you can um, stay connected. This is how you can, um, you know, be a part of a larger gathering, but still be uh, in a more intimate setting. And we have found, that our small groups, I mean, they are responding to needs and they're responding to things uh, within the community before I find out about it, some of our leaders find out about it, and that's best case scenario. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we want. And so, you know, I think one of the challenges is it sometimes it takes people a little bit of time to find that right fit and that right group. Um, but you're going to find that same challenge uh, no matter, you know, whether you're at a, a larger church or, or, or smaller church. That's just the way that it works. Yeah. And some people never make it to a small group. They Their only experience is the worship experience. Right. So right. how do you do that, especially within the confines of uh, the places that that you guys have focused on a movie theater that's got rows and rows of fixed seating that not typically the place that you think of that that's an intimate spot uh, for people. 
Where is that going for you? Do you see that that's going to continue to be the model for you? Or are you thinking of some other ways to make it a more intimate experience? Yeah, that's a good question, Tom. I mean, these are challenges that we're wrestling with regularly. As a matter of fact, right now, um, currently, we are trying to revamp our entire um, uh, discipleship process, which we would put um, small groups in the discipleship category. Um, so we're trying to revamp that entire process. And, and we're, we're in a... In a um, time right now where we're doing research. I mean, like literal research where, where we have like uh, several uh, focus groups, different kinds of focus groups. Um, I mean, we're even engaging with people who say that they're, they would not consider themselves to be Christian. They're agnostic or atheist. And so we're, 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 we're trying to figure out um, what's working, what isn't, uh, what helps people connect, what doesn't. And so I think no matter what your strategy is, no matter even in business, I mean, you need to be trying to get that feedback and, and make sure that you're doing that real time. Um, hey, you start getting settled in anything that you're doing. I mean, it's going to get old pretty quickly, especially as, at the pace that the world moves at um, today. So, so we're, we're trying to do that. Um, I don't know exactly how certain things will change for us right now. Uh, so I can't give you um, a, uh, a specific answer on that, but we're trying to figure out how we can get more people uh, engaged, how we can, um, uh, at least have uh, several touch points with them because I think uh, marketing uh, uh, shows uh, or in, any like marketing research shows that uh, you have to have several touch points with people before they're, you know, before they're willing to commit to anything where you want them to buy soap or you want them to come back to your church. Um, so we're trying to figure out how to do those touch points better. And um, I'm happy with where we are in terms of, 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 um, of figuring that out and doing that better. I think the challenge for us um, and I'll just be perfectly honest. Uh, I, I love people who shoot straight. You know, I do think that um, when you're in a rented facility like a movie theater, it does make it a little bit more challenging for us because we don't control all the aspects of the space. And sometimes um, we're having to be creative with um, um, where we meet, how we connect and how we set up and those sorts of things. So that, that's a challenge for us. And I think if anything um, will change for us, it'll probably be some sort of gravitation towards um, uh, real estate that we own um, and that we control or some, some sort of hybrid uh, in between there where we can control some of the, um, the spacing and the timing that we can access the space. And I should go back and say part of the reason why movie theaters work for us, and I think this is a huge point, is real estate in the D.C. area is ridiculous. I mean... It just costs so much money to own a piece of property. And so it was, a, it was a way for us to grow quickly without leveraging a lot of money in real estate. And we felt like we can, we can use more of our resources to, to do ministry and missions uh, as opposed to tying it up in real estate. That has served us well 23 years in um, now that we're able to um, you know, have several pieces of property that we own and we feel like you know, we can move forward with maybe a more permanent strategy. Mm. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the pastor role, and yep. since uh, leadership is one of your uh, favorite subjects and, and areas to dig into, I'd be curious to hear uh, your thoughts on this. How do most people at a, at a satellite location like you're at, yep. how do most people view the pastor? Do they primarily view the campus pastor as their pastor, or do they view the pastor on the big screen as their pastor? And how does all of that affect pastoral ministry? 
Yeah, really great question, Tom. Um, I recently told a friend of mine who was uh, asking me about the campus pastor role. Uh, matter of fact, I was talking to a couple of people about this, and um, I, they, th- these are churches who are um, either have one site or two sites, or and they're they're exploring trying to to grow more. I told them that the campus pastor uh, at a location is the key to everything, in my opinion. You have to have the right person who uh, is tethered to the the lead pastor, the vision of the church. Um, that needs to be a person that the lead pastor can trust to lead that location um, independently of himself or herself. And there, there just needs to be a lot of, of autonomy as well that, that's given. And, and I mean, for all intents and purposes, you're, you're asking that person to go out and, and lead a small church, basically. Uh, and, and, and obviously, the, the benefit of multi-site is you have resources that you're tapped into either centrally or, you know, collectively from, from the other campuses. But to answer your question specifically, I know at National Community Church, our campuses see our campus pastors as their pastor. Um, speaking for my campus primarily, people have said to me, hey, you know, we get a chance to hear great preaching from the teaching team, which I'm also included in that. But if there's a need, if there's a question that arises, uh, nine times out of 10, I'm going to get that question before anyone else gets it because I'm the person that they see every week and I'm the person that uh, is most accessible to them. So it's a, it usually comes down to an accessibility you know, issue. And yeah, I mean, there are people who email you know, our central team or they'll try to get an email up to uh, Pastor Mark and those emails eventually come back to me or I'm copied on whatever the response is just because we want to make sure our campus pastors are looped into leading the community that they're in. And I will say this last thing that the campus pastor knows the community they're leading better than anybody else. So if Pastor Mark was on this podcast, he will tell you, hey, I, I have some experience in Kingstown, but hey, Pastor Joshua, I'm leaning on him to tell me, you know, kind of what's happening out there and, you know, what are the trends and what direction we need to go in with that campus. Well, as you look out uh, five, 10, 15 years for the multi-site model of church. Uh, what do you see? We're starting to hear other, even high-profile multi-site uh, locations starting to say, we're dismantling the whole model and uh, we're going back to an individual church type of approach. Yep. What do you see? What, what, yeah. What's the future hold? Uh, man, I, I, Tom, you and I both know if we could predict that, we could probably... <laughs> um, we, we could probably make some substantial uh, <laughs> uh, right now because <laughs> we would be saving people some headache and money at the same time. Um, you know, I'm not really sure, uh, actually. I, I can see, though, a continuation of the trend that we are seeing right now. Um, I can see a continuation of um, a, a decentralization of um uh, uh or 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 churches kind of dismantling to use the word that you that you use um their their multi-site uh strategy and you know what here's the thing i think there's a time and a place for that i mean i i think that hey maybe you reach a certain point to where you say like hey there, there's there's really no added benefit for us to continue doing it in this vein or to add more campuses 
Um, and actually, what we have essentially done is created, you know, six, seven, eight church plants that are, you know, financially sustainable and, you know, kind of doing their own thing. I also think, Tom, that, that sometimes, like, you, you have so much change, you know, and it's hard to manage that, that change. I, I guess it would kind of be like if you had, you know, five or six, you know, kids, and um, they stayed with you um, all, you know, into their adulthood, and, and they, they started getting married and having kids. And, I mean, it, that's, that's just hard to manage, you know? And so I do think you, can, you get to a certain point to where maybe that becomes a challenge, I also think that there's still a place for multi-site, you know, as as it makes sense for the environment or the community, um, or for a uh, a strategy that says, hey, you know what? Actually, we can maybe leverage this as a church planning strategy for us, where we see, hey, ten years in, we can put the right people in place, and and those will be standalone churches that then maybe become a part of a network, you know, of churches that are maybe interrelated but not necessarily um, tied to one another from a government or structure standpoint. Mm. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens for sure in the next few years. I I sense that things are changing and uh, I think uh, we all may be surprised about uh, how things are looking. Well, and and you know what? I hope we are surprised, Tom. I I think change is good. And I think, you know, we can just look through church history and see the ebbs and flows of of how church has changed, uh, how technology um, has changed, how how um, uh, technology has influenced our movement within society, and how those movements have inf- have have impacted, you know, how we take in information, where we live, you know, how long we stay in places. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well, and I, I think uh, I, I think we need that. I think it's healthy. Um, I, I just want us as the church uh, in general to just you know try to do a better job of staying ahead of what's happening as a part as, as opposed to being behind the curve. Yeah. Or as I uh, like to tell people, I always like to try to sense where God is heading and then get on board with where he's heading and uh, be in, be in that wagon. So, well, thank you right. very much for joining us, Joshua. It's great, great uh, conversation. And listeners, if you're interested in what's next for the church, join us at the group's Future of the Church Summit this October. You can find out more about that event at the website, thefutureofthechurch.com, thefutureofthechurch.com. And we'll see you next time on the Holy Soup Podcast.